0: Hello, welcome and good evening, I'm Aidan and once again thank you for tuning into Natural News at 7ish. Let's get started, shall we? You may be noticing the weather is starting to change and we're coming into a period of time that some people like to call winter. You may also be noticing that some trees' leaves are changing colour. You may also start to think they're going to fall off soon, and you would be correct. Do you want to know why and how they're deciding to pack it in? In the natural world, the cold represents a time that requires preparation, thought, and tactics. Whether you stash food, firewood, jackets, or maybe even try an abscission on part of your body, the tactics for the cold are in some way common. In some plants, the latter is the option, abscission. As daylight hours reduce and nighttime hours lengthen, the preparation begins. Above primordium, the meristematic region of cells or A bundle of undifferentiated, yet to know what we're doing here, cells are standing by and slowly recognizing their true potential as the coming spring's budding blooms. The breakdown and abscission or the removal of leaf structures themselves is to obtain a big dose of nutrients and other goodies informed by a classic cost-benefit analysis. Over the colder and importantly darker months, the energy required to maintain life as normal or attempting to run it at a loss is difficult. The money in the bank of converting sunlight into sugar is a game best left to the sunny months in some parts of the world, and hence, this captivating evolutionary tactic. Now, let's have a crack at guessing how many temperate deciduous trees are endemic to Australia. You ready yet? Okay. One. That's right, one. The deciduous beech or north of Vegas gunny is the only true temperate deciduous tree in Australia. Another Australian native deciduous tree you may be familiar with is the barb tree. You may also be familiar with it being from a more desert, arid sort of environment. So why did these two lose their leaves and some others, but not all Australian plants? Well, since Australian plants have grown in a much more variable climate, keeping your leaves allow plants to be more opportunistic when good growing conditions arrive. It's time for a happy news story out of the intense fires of the 2019 and 2020 summer. An article published online for Australian Geographic by author Bron Whitless shared the journey of a critical rock wallaby population from Tibbinbilla Nature Reserve, which is located in the Australian Capital Territory. Some foresight and complex logistics saved the brush-tailed rock wallaby species from no longer existing. The approaching firefront rolled towards a population of 17 brush-tailed rock wallabies, unknowingly seesawing between life and the approaching front. The seesaw was hinged on the ability of the researchers, and also the aircraft crew operating the Australian Defence Force Hercules helicopter to successfully airlift these rockhoppers to safety. The population in Tibbimbilla is part of a project hoped to increase the population size and genetic diversity of this species. Airlifted to safety, the wallaby spent time at the Mount Rothwell Conservation and Research Reserve awaiting the return to Tibbimbilla. Mount Rothwell is a 473 hectare predator-free oasis located near Little River, in an education state known as Sweet, Sweet Victoria. In a loving state of mild perpetuity, the rock wallabies were organised in social groupings and separated, remembering the importance of genetic diversity. As the rock wallabies got nice and cosy diversifying, the project team were off scaring and introduced predators and potting up fencing just to be sure all in the name of getting their home ready at Tibbinbilla. The Wallabies were then escorted in a private plane back to Tibbinbilla, awaiting health checks and a 60-day biosecurity quarantine. After intense pressure and coordination successful, the population is now safe and hopefully on their way to getting out of the endangered status, all while being blissfully unaware of the ordeal that happened. Now, take a moment, think back a little. Think about when you grew up. Some of your first or fondest memories. Let them wash over you. Smile. Breathe in. Breathe out. Now, when you're ready, try to think of all the different palettes that come to mind. There's chook palettes, maybe BB gun palettes. Is there any more that comes to mind? How about owl palettes? How about the remnant indigestible components of your favourite night owl's culinary delights? Owls typically swallow their meals whole and unlike birds with a crop, the sack with gravel or sand used like a mortar and pestle to aid in the breaking down of their food, the undigestible materials these owl pelican down their gullets is coughed back up in anywhere between 6 to 20 hours after sitting in their gizzards consuming and breaking down and... all that good stuff. It also takes that same amount of time 6 to 20 hours until another meal can be consumed again as the pallet blocks off part of the entry passage. How's your interest? Is it peaked? If so and you want to experience what it's like to forage for pallets with a little bit of interspersed life wisdom well check out Puke a film by Foster Huntington. You may know him from Van Life that hashtag that flew around the world. You may know him from his treehouses However you do, there's a link in the description. Check it out. Get to know them if you don't, and find out what this palette puke stuff's all about. Well, that's it, and that's that. Thank you once again for joining us. We'll be back next week around let's say I don't know sevenish. That's good for you. And so if you got any news for us, or we're doing anything poorly, maybe some things. Well, that I don't know, maybe we're doing something good. Let us know through our Instagram page at naturalnews at 7 ish Until then, stay safe, smile, and remember to spread the good word. Good night.